Working Class Audio is made possible by the support of Cali Audio, DistroKid, Sampley Audio, Audio Technica, Gearspace, and Grace Design. This is the Working Class Audio Podcast, Session 382. Working Class Audio. Navigating the world of recording with a working class perspective. Here's your host, Matt Boudreaux. Thanks, Chuck. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Working Class Audio Podcast. This is session 382 you're listening to. My guest today is the return of mixing engineer Sarah Carter, who made her first original appearance on episode 194. And then she made a second appearance on episode 278 with uh, Jamison Durr and Fela Davis. And she is back to talk to us all about what she has going on. You know, she has a a YouTube channel called Simply Mixing, and she's been putting a lot of time into that. It's great, great content that she's doing. And even as somebody who's been at it for a while, I always like to go back and check her videos out because she explains things really, really well. As you know, she has worked with Corinne Bailey Ray, Katie Tunstall, Wistful Sleepers, BP Moore. And of course, if you go back to episode 194, you can hear all about her past with the BBC and of course her time in the motor trade which preceded her time in the world of audio. So very excited to have Sarah back. Always welcome Sarah Carter coming up here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Grab your coffee cups, friends. It's that time. It's time for another Dolby Atmos update. I feel so guilty doing these updates because it's been taking so long for things to get rolling. And I promised you the next time I did one of these updates, I'd tell you, hey, it's all working. Well, it's all working. So here we are. Yeah, room's still a little bit in disarray, but that's okay. I have a few more things to plug in, some things like the turntable and the cassette player and just a, just a couple things on the edge. But the primary system is up and running, and I have been experimenting and mixing, and it all works, which has been fantastic. Ran into a little bit of a snag. One of the D-sub connectors that I bought had a bad channel in it. Can you believe that? That's never happened to me. Well, it's happened now. Yeah, channel two is bad. And at first I was like, oh crap, that's that's the D-sub that goes out of my Grace controller, my M908, to uh, the speakers. And so that channel two, in this case, corresponded to the right channel. So I immediately noticed, I was like, why is the right channel so low in volume compared to the left? And I started to investigate. I thought, oh no, did my speaker go bad? figured that out it wasn't the speaker and then i started to think oh no is something wrong with the grace well of course not so i mean you look at the two most expensive things in that whole chain and they're not wrong as it turns out it was the d sub connector one of the cheapest things in the chain so i'll get that replaced but yeah i i had a replacement ready to go so i just dropped it in and now everything's working which is really great What's going to happen next? Okay, so it's all in. I need to tidy everything up and um, push the racks back against the wall and get all that sorted out. The next thing that happens is, is Dolby is actually coming to my house and they are going to finish the room up. They're going to tune it. They're going to make sure all the speakers are in phase and they're going to make sure that the timing of all the speakers is reaching the listening position at the same time. They're going to apply the Dolby Atmos curve to the Grace. The Grace has extensive EQ and timing alignment per channel, uh, per speaker. So that will set the Dolby Atmos curve for the system. 
We'll also set a flat curve as well and have that be an option. But, you know, come next Friday for me, at the end of the day, hopefully that will uh, that will all be done and there won't be any hangups with that. I'm looking forward to it. And then, you know, at this point, it's, um, it's a matter of getting to work, right? It's a matter of, um, I can't say, you know, pay for the system because I've already paid for the system. And I, as I told you, I did not do this on credit. I did it in sales of gear that I had that I wasn't using. So I'm even Steven there, but you know, obviously I want to start bringing in some money and bringing in the work. And so I've reached out to not only a lot of clients that I've got, but also a lot of other engineers that I know aren't going to be uh, setting this up here locally. And I figured, yeah, you know, no sense in them telling their clients they can't do it because we could create a partnership and I could handle, they could handle the stereo mix. I can handle the Atmos mix and we can take care of the client and everybody wins in that case. So that's a super cool solution. Um, what else to tell you? I cleaned the whole place up a little bit, you know, got some new curtains that were thicker, more uh, acoustically absorbent. And yeah, the place is really starting to come together just as I had imagined almost a year ago when I started to talk about doing this, when I thought, I think I'm going to get into this. I think it was a year, something like that. Anyhow, all the speakers are up, everything's working. I'm able to take a mix and make it happen and make stuff, you know, fly around the room and get everything placed. And I, I brought my kids in one at a time to have them listen and I had a, a track to work with and they were impressed. They, they honestly were like, wow, that's really cool because, you know, they could feel that the thing was all around them which is great. So, so that's about it. It's up and running. And, you know, I guess I'm saying not too much drama, but maybe there was a little bit of drama. Or if there was, I forgot about it. Anyways, not too much drama. Everything is plugged in. It's ready to go. And I'm really thrilled. So, you know, if uh, you have questions about it, you know, uh, I'm not the best person to reply to over email when it comes to really detailed stuff. So I'll do my best. If you have a question, send it to me, Matt at workingclassaudio.com. Happy to answer the best I can. You know, I'm still learning, so uh, I'm not an expert, but I definitely know what I'm doing at this point. I definitely know how to get a mix out. And I guess that's the important part. <laughs> After that, we'll we'll see where, where that takes us. So that is it. Thanks for tolerating all these Dolby Atmos updates. I know many of you have been like, when is this dude going to get it together and get this thing done? So as I record this, I should have all this stuff, you know, dialed in and, you know, looking good. And I'll post a picture up on uh, Instagram, which of course you can, you can of course follow me at, uh, it's working underscore class underscore audio. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Actually, that's already always in the show notes. So I'm not going to put a link, but uh, I'll also put a link to my personal Instagram, Matt underscore Boudreaux. And you can follow me there because sometimes I'll post stuff on Matt Boudreaux and sometimes I'll post stuff on working class audio. And sometimes I'll post in both places at the same time. So uh, yeah, you can check that out. Wish me luck. The journey with Dolby Atmos now begins. That's my rant. Thanks for listening. Most of you already know about Grace Design and have known about them for years. Uh, they've been around since 1994. It was started by the two brothers, Michael and Eben Grace, who still run the company to this day. And you already know that they make incredible sounding products for us all. What you might not know if you don't know them is that Michael and Eben are two of the nicest people on the planet, easily approachable, very knowledgeable. You might've met them at a trade show and experienced this. Without a doubt, 
It's one of my favorite companies out there in the world of pro audio. You might have heard me a few times talking about the Grace 908 Atmos controller. I think the most elegant solution, if you're going to be doing Atmos, that is the best solution out there, as far as I'm concerned, hands down. And prior to that, I was using the Stereo 905 controller for many years. Not only that, but most recently, I have used their 108 mic pre's to do the Room 219 combo jazz record that you might have heard me talk about. The point is, is that they check all the boxes for me. They're incredibly nice people. They make incredibly great products. They're located here in the United States in Lyons, Colorado, and in a number of people. They're the epitome of a small business here in the U.S., and I just love that whole thing. So if you are in the market for mic preamps or instrument preamps or monitor controllers, this is the company to check out hands down. If you don't know about them, go to gracedesign.com, check them out. And if you're in the market for any of those products, you absolutely have to consider what they offer because what they offer is superior build quality and sound quality. And those of you who bought their products in the 90s that are still using them, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So check them out, gracedesign.com. I know the business of audio is a frustrating one sometimes. The audio part's pretty, pretty fun, but it's the business of it and the career part of it that's a little challenging to many of us. I can completely empathize with that. And if you thought to yourself, God, I wish I could talk to somebody about this, you can do that. You could talk with me about it. As a matter of fact, you can book me for a coaching and consulting call over Zoom very simply. Just head on over to workingclassaudio.com. If you click on the menu button at the top of the menu, there is a link that says coaching and consulting with Matt. Super simple. Click on the link, book me in for an hour on a Zoom call, and we will discuss your particular situation, and I will help you get refocused, re-inspired, and figure out what is the best path forward for you. If your situation requires a little more extensive conversation, we can absolutely book a series of calls and, like I say, get you focused and get you moving forward. I've been there, and when you don't have anybody to talk to about it, it's a little frustrating. So head on over to workingclassaudio.com, click on the menu button, and book yourself in for a Zoom call with me. And we can sit down and chat, coffees in hand, ready to tackle the business of audio together. Let's get to it. Sarah Carter here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Sarah, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Your first episode that you were on was on episode 194, and then somewhere down the line, you were on another episode where we met up. I think it was Fela Davis, Jameson Durr, and yourself, and we were talking yeah. about COVID and working from home. Yeah. That was an interesting time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. We've got through it, the other side, and adapted and come out all the better for it, I think, it seems to me, certainly with regards to remote working and working from home, again, a bit more of that work-life balance. So I'd like to look at, try and look at the positives if I can, really. Try to find the silver lining. Yeah. Yeah. It's my kind of default position. So <laughs> The, the optimist <laughs> position? Yeah, yeah, one of those annoying people. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk about what's been going on for you. One of the things that I see literally whenever they come out are your videos, your Simply Mixing thing on YouTube. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's been something that I've really concentrated on in the last 12 months, really. I've been doing it for about two years from memory, trying my hardest to do 
videos for YouTube and work with clients, but juggle the two. But it just wasn't working. I was just not putting out enough videos and I wasn't really getting the traction that I was hoping to get. Hmm. So I decided, like I say, about a year ago, really, to go all in and sort of concentrate on the YouTube side of things so that I could get videos out and help people that were still stuck at home with time on their hands who had been trying desperately to mix their own music and being hit with a wall of noise that is YouTube and mixing tutorials. And I just wanted to try and make things a little bit easier and, and less complicated. And it's just gone from strength to strength. The response I've had from people, the comments and the new opportunities that have opened up have just been amazing, really. It's been one of the standout points in my life, really, how how my life has taken a change, a turn because of it, just from making a few videos, really. It's quite extraordinary. Can you expand on that and, and tell me more? Yeah. You know, I went into it not really knowing what I was doing, not really knowing how to teach. I remember that I'd learned to learn which is something we may have spoke about when we first spoke to each other back on episode 194. And it was when I'd decided to go into audio production or audio engineering and I needed to go to college and I wasn't particularly academic. I hadn't done brilliantly at school. I was terrible at exams. I couldn't retain the information. And I found out that everybody has a different style of learning. Mm. And I didn't find that out until I was about 30. And once I'd figured out how I learned, I was able to pass my audio engineering exams. Later on, when I did my little detour out of the audio industry into brewing beer for a while. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I was able to pass brewing exams, which are very scientific and technical exams. And, you know, I just think, oh, gosh, how my life might have been different if my school back in the 80s had actually embraced the possibility that some people don't particularly learn that well, making notes from a blackboard and trying to just revise and, and learn everything by rote. So that doesn't work for me. I like diagrams and pictures and mind maps and colours and all that sort of information coming in and then I can retain the information. So that little ramble was a bit of a detour away from why I, you know, Simply Mixing had sort of changed the trajectory of my life. I felt as though that I could connect with people that were perhaps like me that do struggle with technical subjects. Mm. And because I'd been through that experience, I was able then to help similar people by breaking it down into a specific sort of a step-by-step -step format and just try my best to explain things in a more, I don't know, not as detailed. Some people go a little bit too deep into the details and that loses beginners. And that was something that I was quite adamant that I wanted to do. And that was help beginners because that's when it's really complicated and yeah. it's really easy for them to get lost in amongst all the YouTube videos. So it, it sounds like that you're saying that you're kind of a visual learner. Yes, that's right. And I think I'm probably a mixture of maybe kinesthetic as well as visual. So I like to 
do and then it goes in. But the problem is that I'm not very forward in putting myself up to try things unless I really consciously put my hand up first to do something then I will just wait and wait and wait until I have to do it. And as I've gotten older, I'm generally putting my hand up first to do things so that I get it out of the way. Then I can make mistakes then and it's acceptable because I haven't sat there in front of a room with a room full of people and watched other people make mistakes. Therefore, I shouldn't be making mistakes. So it's really, it's all linked to imposter syndrome and whether I'm good enough to do what I do and, and all that. And and this process, this whole year, has really helped me come through that because I've been open and talked about my challenges along the way with, with imposter syndrome. But not only that, just getting the feedback from people who love my tutorials, they love the way I present them. And, you know, it's actually taught me. When I first started, like I said, I, I didn't know how to teach. You know, I knew because of the learning side of things, there must be a flip side to that in how to teach people with all those various different learning styles. Mm -hmm. And I'd looked at ways of how you're supposed to present yourself on YouTube and you're supposed to be up and happy and exciting and smile and, and you know, and hey, how are you doing? And that just didn't sit well with me at all because I'm quite, I'm an introvert, so I, I'm quite low key anyway. Mm-hmm. I have my moments. I can come out with the odd one-liner that will, will <laughs> have you shedding a tear. But usually I tend to sit back and listen and then offer an opinion. So, yeah, it's been an interesting journey, self-discovery. It is interesting. I mean, I can I can relate. I got into doing this podcast not really knowing what to expect or really what I was doing. It only took me a couple hundred episodes to really kind of figure it all out. <laughs> But I think what's interesting is you mentioned some of the opportunities that come as a result. I mean, I can tell you without a doubt that this podcast has opened up an amazing amount of opportunities for me. Mm. Probably the most prominent or what I consider the most important aspect of it is people, just getting access to people, meeting people, getting to interact with people, not just in the mm. interviews, but outside of the interviews. Can you talk about a few of the opportunities that may have come your way or have you reached that point yet where opportunities are coming up? Yeah, I've started to work with Warren Hewitt of the Produce Like a Pro YouTube channel, which is one of the probably most successful music production channels on YouTube at the moment. And he somehow picked up my videos, probably because I was posting them on their Facebook group page. <laughs> and he just reached out and asked if I'd be interested in partnering with his channel and providing some videos. And he gets inundated. You can imagine, mm -hmm. you know, you talk about how the opportunities coming towards you. He gets inundated with manufacturers just want him to review all the latest plugins, studio gear and what have you. And there's only one of him. There's only so much he can do. So what he was keen to do was to give up and coming channels a chance by spreading that out. And he was able to give me a plugin to review, which was the Eventide Split EQ, which is fantastic EQ, by the way. So I reviewed that on my channel and, you know, just link back to him. And it's all this kind of 
backwards and forwards you help each other out but his audience is is massive compared to mine and that's really helped me boost my numbers and boost the eyeballs on my videos and gain more followers because of it he also then asked for some courses he felt as though that we had similar audiences which i agree with i think we do similar ages and people from similar backgrounds and he thought it'd be great if i could come up with some courses for beginners and that's what i did i'd created three courses eqing compression and effects and he put them on the pro mix academy website which is his other interest so that was released only in february mm. after it taking me gosh a year and a half to make <laughs> on and off trying to juggle clients as well going into it not never having made a course before so trying to find and like i just we just spoke about not knowing how to teach so i was <laughs> trying to download all this information into my head and to be able to produce a really good quality course at the end of the day and and i think i've done that certainly from the response i've had it's been very well received and i'm keen to carry that on really so in terms of opportunities definitely that with warren and there's more to come with him as well and then just your usual plugins plugin manufacturers reaching out and asking me to um, try their equipment and give honest reviews not a review as such but just use it mm. honestly and just so that it appears in the video and they get some people that perhaps they may not have before so so yeah that's been the main thing so far and you know i got to say i really I really love how you present things. You're, you're very calm. You're very measured, but you're not stiff. Mm. It feels lighthearted, but it feels like even on the most basic stuff that I already know, I like to watch videos like that to make sure that I understand fully in my own head what it is I think I know by yeah. watching someone else present it. And I love how you present. Thank you. It takes a lot of commitment to do something like that because as we were discussing before we started recording our interview here, video is a pain in the ass. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You go into it thinking it's always straightforward, you know, you just get a camera and a microphone and away you go. But no, it's not, that isn't the case at all. Once you start getting into it, you start finding out things about the lenses for your camera. You do your first videos and you think, well, it looks okay, but this vlog I watched the other day looks way better. How do they get that blurry background? Yeah. And I'd, I'd done a bit of photography in the past anyway, so I kind of knew. But yeah, you know, I've, you buy your camera and then you realise you've got to buy another one or two lenses, which, you know, you perhaps didn't realise at first. And then, yeah, trying to get the best sound. Lighting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a boring topic. Sorry for everyone who, I'm sorry for lighting engineers <laughs> everywhere. You're wonderful, but I just find lighting so boring. But it, it is everything. It affects the picture in such a big way. And initially you think, oh, it's the camera and the lens. But oh no, you've got to really sort your lighting out for it to really look good and really look professional. And of course, me being me, I want to do it the best way I possibly can within my budget. I don't want it to look amateur. So I do tend to go all in on things like this. 
So things are going to change on that score, actually, because I'm fortunate enough to be moving out of this room at home and moving into a bigger room so I can really go to town and create a nice background and different scenes. Yeah. Because I've got some different plans for content for the YouTube channel. It's kind of funny. It's like audio. We take everything that we've learned about audio and then we try to apply it in the, you know, in your case, into the world of video. And we go through some growing pains with it. I did a drum sample course and oh my God, (laughs) that kicked my ass. Mm. And, you know, I had a a video guy who was doing the editing and he was constantly on me about like, hey, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. And I was just like, (sighs) oh, is this worth it? (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. But it's great because I did some teaching at a a school in San Francisco at Pyramind for a number of years, a couple classes. And it really pushes you to really take a, a second look at the knowledge that you think you know. Mm. It's like, you know how to get from destination A to B. It's just in your head. But then if somebody says, hey, how do I get from A to B? And you say, oh, well, let me tell you. And then you realize, wait a second. Well, Mm. do I take a left turn or a right turn at that street? And how many blocks (laughs) is that? And it it, it gets you to like reevaluate everything that you know. And then there's a little bit of imposter syndrome there. It's like, well, actually, is, is that correct? Am I doing that right? So I'm sure, you know, it's one thing to put out a podcast. It's your voice. When you're putting out videos on YouTube, it's not only your voice. You're laying it all out there. Visual, knowledge, everything. And I'm sure that there's a little bit of hesitation every time you are getting ready to publish something that you're like, did I forget anything? Did I Mm. misspeak on anything? Or all those things. Yeah. I mean, I don't claim to know everything. Yet I know that that's one of my biggest hang-ups and one of the main reasons that I tend to shy away from doing any sort of live workshops or I'm putting myself in a position where I'm going to be asked questions and I have to, you know, (laughs) is this just me? You know, am I expected to know the answer to everything? Because I've put myself in this position on YouTube as an expert, if you like, I'm still learning myself, so I just feel as though that sometimes if I get asked a question that I can't answer, then maybe I'm failing in some way. So I tend to shy away from doing any live teaching, but Mm. I know I've got to get over that. I know I've got to do it at some point, and it actually might be happening very, very soon, certainly this year. So it's just something that I've got to get over and I'm sure that once I do it I'll look back and think well what was the big problem right of course you can't know everything but you can go away and find it out and come back and answer the question a bit later on my sister is a teacher she's my older sister and she's been teaching for a lot of years and I asked her the question and said much the same thing and and she said you can't know everything. I don't know everything. I've been teaching English for God knows how many years and I still get asked questions I don't know the answer to. You just say, that's a really good question. I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out and I'll come back to you on it. What are some of the things that you've learned about yourself as an audio professional in creating these videos? I think I've surprised myself with how much I do know when perhaps I thought that I still had a lot of learning to do myself before I was even able to put myself in that position. So when I just sort of thought, oh, no, you just got to do it. You've just got to put it out there because if you sit at home and do nothing, nothing ever changes. Right. 
So I just thought, well, let's just put stuff out and see what happens. So I was surprised when you start to get questions back from people who've watched your videos that I was just able to answer them. Not everyone. <laughs> I could go away and research <laughs> and come back and give them the best answer. But no, off the top of my head, I could quite easily answer a lot of the more rudimentary questions. So I think I know more than I thought I did. It sounds like that you kind of came to the conclusion that, hey, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And that it probably reinstilled the confidence that you have in yourself because you're like, oh, oh, okay, I do know that. Not a, That's yeah. not a problem. Yeah. I had a kind of a similar occurrence or epiphany, if you will, at Mix with the Masters, sitting there watching Chad Blake do his thing. Mm. And at some point, I hit a point where I was like, you know what? I actually do know what I'm doing. Mm. And... <laughs> Chad's way is definitely one approach and we can't all be like one another. We can cherry pick ideas, but yeah, it really, I think if anything that came out of Mix with the Masters for me, it's what you're talking about. It's just like, oh, oh, I do know what I'm doing. Okay. I will keep moving yeah. forward. Bit of a confidence builder. Yes. And I had a very similar experience when I went to Mix with the Masters with Sylvia Massey. Mm. That was one of those turning points again for me because- as you know, you, you take some of your own mixes and the mentor will sit and listen to the mix and give you some feedback. You know, she, she listened to my mix and was very complimentary and had very little to say or offer in terms of, of how to make it any better. And in the end, we kept in touch and I ended up working on a couple of records with her, just helping her sort of prepare the session that she'd recorded so that she could kind of finish it off and put her stamp on it. So, I mean, gosh, that was a real turning point for me to know that somebody like Sylvia Massey actually wanted to work with me and felt that I was good enough. If she thought that, then why the hell was I not thinking that? Exactly. So it's a huge, uh, it's a thing, isn't it? It's, it's creatives in general, isn't it? We just kind of have this built-in self-doubt. It kind of comes with the territory. I guess not everybody, but I, certainly a, a lot of people do, unless that's the type of person that gravitates towards me because that's how I am. But it's certainly interesting. And the more of videos I've been putting out, the more confident I have been getting in sticking by my opinion and sort of understanding that there is no right way or wrong way when it comes to mixing music. Once you get beyond the basics, you know, you're not distorting things and you're picking the right microphone for the job or, you know, the basic really basic stuff once you get beyond that there's no right or wrong and i mean take chad blake for example the way he manipulates phase when he does that signature sound he's got with the distorted drums where he uses the psa one mm -hmm. and that always seems to throw things out of phase but he just manipulates that he knows it and that was a big learning point for me, was just treating phase as a tone control, really. Mm. You know, it's doing something, but it's not necessarily wrong. It's just changing the sound. So utilise that. And that's what he does. So, I, you know, you think, well, if he does it, why can't I do it? Nothing's wrong when you're creating sounds and music. It's different. But that's something I wanted to impart to the people that follow me and take my courses, when they write to me on comments or emails and they'll say, oh, I watched your video and I didn't realise I'd been doing it wrong all this time. I write back to them and say, 
you're not doing it wrong. That's just the way I do it. <laughs> you just need, you know, find your way of doing it. You could take on board what I do, but it's not the right way. It's just my way. And I've probably nicked it from somebody down the line. Right. We all have. We all pull in these, like you said earlier, cherry pick various bits of information and, and use them in our own mixes. And what works, we keep. And what doesn't, we throw in the bin and we chalk it down to experience and move on. Hey, our friends over at DistroKid have created the DistroKid app for Android, which allows you to do some key things such as check your stats from Apple and Spotify, edit release metadata, upload new releases, and a host of other features. And remember, WCA listeners get 30% off your first year at DistroKid. And if you just head on over to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30, you can follow the link, get your 30% off, and be off to the races. So check our friends out at DistroKid and make sure and get your 30% off by going to workingclassaudio.com slash WCA30. About a year and a half ago, I signed up for Sampley.app and I have to report back and say that I'm completely thrilled with it and it's working out quite well. It gives me the ability to upload mixes and masters to the website and provide a super pro looking interface for my clients. They can drop comments in the timeline. They can listen on any device. They can listen to it in high res. And if I want them to pay for the mix or master before they download it because of the Stripe integration, I can set that up. There's also Dropbox integration, which allows me to quickly create a folder in my Dropbox, which automatically syncs with Sampley, makes it much more simple. You should check it out for yourself, but there's a deal to be had. So use the code WCA20. Go to Sampley.app or Sampley.app. Use the code WCA20, get 20% off, and you'll be off to the races. It's a fantastic tool that I think you're going to enjoy and will definitely make you look a lot more pro when you're delivering files to clients. Skip that whole business where you send it to them over Dropbox. That looks totally amateur at this point. Use Sampley.app and use that code WCA20, and I think you're going to be really thrilled. Sampley.app. Check it out. I'm not sure which episode it was. Actually, I think it was number 378 that I did. I did a rant talking about just doing things, just getting out there and interacting because you never know what can come from those things. And you tend to learn rather quickly when, when you get in front of other people. And so to carry off on, on that rant that I had, you went to mix with the masters with Sylvia. You and Sylvia seemed to get along. Hmm. And then you ended up in a video for her one of her videos that she has out there. And I remember seeing that video and going, who's that? <laughs> that lady seems to know what the hell she's talking about. Let's get her on the show. And then I reached out to Sylvia yeah. and said, hey, Sylvia, can you put me in touch with Sarah Carter? And she quickly made that happen. And it's funny how when we participate and kind of step up to the plate a bit, if, if you will, what can happen? Whether yeah. that's creating a YouTube channel, a podcast, going to a, a seminar, or just putting yourself out there and taking a chance. What can happen? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I have to remind myself of every day when these new opportunities come up and they might be a little bit scary to think about coming out of it the other side and how in the past when I've done things out of my comfort zone, how they've always worked out in the end and I've always been the better person for it coming out the other side. So you're always learning in life and I think you get more chance to consider that the older you get, certainly in middle age. When you're younger, you 
you've got so much information coming in and you've got pressures on you to get a job and get ahead and you want your independence and you perhaps want to buy your own house, you know, and it's getting increasingly difficult. And so you're preoccupied with that and you, you lose yourself. And it's only when you can get into middle age and slow down and relax a little bit that you can get more introspective and feel as though you can offer advice, having been where people have been and you've come out the other side. Yeah, because you, you said it earlier, you forget what you know. You forget mm. how much you know. And definitely when you get to middle age, you forget how much experience you've accumulated because, yeah. you know, it's just another day to you. But if you look at somebody who's up and coming, they are really just swimming in the deep end of information and trying to yes. trying to stay afloat. So I guess the message there would be to those that are listening who are in their middle age, have confidence in yourself because I don't think any of us really are experts. I think no. we, we all kind of figured out how to make it work and how to stay afloat. Yeah. This YouTube channel, as we said, it's a commitment. It's a serious time commitment. How mm. have you balanced the dedication to that with your dedication to your mix and mastering clients? Yeah. Like I said earlier, I decided to focus on the YouTube channel about a year ago. And slowly I've just been letting the mixing and mastering clients drop away. And I'm fortunate, I guess I'm lucky in that I'm not going to lose my house. I've got a partner that supports me. So I was able to take three to five years to get a business up and running. And so it has been easier in that respect. The pressure wasn't there to have to earn a wage, mm. which it was back when I was in my 30s and I was looking to change career for the first time <laughs> to get out of the motor trade, which is what I did originally from leaving school. I used to work with cars and, and sell car parts and I did that for 16 years and then I'd had enough and wanted desperately to get into audio. So the problem back then was I had a house, I had a mortgage, I had bills to pay. So it was quite tricky to do, but again, my beloved partner stepped in and helped me make that move as well. <laughs> She's stuck with me through and through. We've been together 20 odd years now, so I owe her a lot in terms of chances. So I really want to make it work for her as well as for me. So yes, I've had to let go of some clients. I've kept previous clients, you know, clients I've worked with, but I'm not really taking on new clients at the moment until I get this thing established properly. So... Yeah, it's tough. But what is important is what I didn't want was to lose my mixing chops. I still want to mix. Yeah. I want to get better at what I do so that I can pass that on to my students. So it's in my, you know, blocked out as a time block in my calendar every week to spend some self-development time with mixing. And, and that is usually spent either with the Produce Like a Pro channel or Pure Mix, which is uh, one of my favourites, because I love, maybe it's why people like listening or watching me, but I just love sitting and watching a mixer mix, how they came to that decision, how it sounds, the before and after. I just find that really kind of relaxing. And maybe that's what I've sort of absorbed and, and now I'm passing, passing through. But I just, I love watching how the more successful or bigger named producers do what they do and create the sounds that they do. And so I find Pure Mix really good for that. Mix with the Masters, 
and some of the Pro Mix Academy courses as well. You know, I can't be stagnant. I can't just be stuck in the 2000s and mix like I did 10, 15 years ago. It's ever changing, it's evolving. And so I need to move with the times to be able to keep up with my students in terms of what they want to learn, what they want to know, so that I can pass that on. And I just absorb it from these people, whomever I'm watching at the time, and think, yeah, that will work. I'll try it out and then I'll use it for a while with a few mixers and it then becomes part of my process, my mixing process, and then I'll pass that on to help others. So you're spending a fair amount of time not only creating content, but watching content to see what others are doing. But then I would assume that you're not only watching it to try new ideas with regards to mixing and such, but you're also probably absorbing the production quality of the content <laughs> that you're watching to think, hmm, hmm I like Maybe. that idea. Yeah, well, I like the color. I like the color of the lights behind him there. That's, <laughs> oh, yes, I could do that. Yeah, oh, that's a thing. Going back to video, completely going sidetracked now. Yeah, yeah. Learning about colors like LUTs and things like that, where you can just change the filters of a scene to change the mood and using lighting in the background for extra texture and flavor. It's never ending with video. I love learning though. So, yeah. Well, and then I'm sure there's a lot of video tutorials on YouTube about the video yeah. content entirely. Yeah, sorry to go off. No, no, there. that's fine. What would be your advice, though, to the audio professionals listening out there who have been contemplating doing what you're doing? Oh, do it. Do it. Because it's, it's really gratifying to know that you've helped somebody overcome a problem, something they've been struggling with. It's so gratifying when you know the answer and you can help them out and then they respond with thanks. And it's just, it's a wonderful way to go through life in helping people make music. The people out there, they sit down. I mean, I'm not a songwriter. I'm not a musician anymore. I barely was <laughs> when I started all this, which is why I went into engineering. But these people are sitting down, they have an idea and they flesh it out and they write a song, they come up with a decent arrangement and then they want to record themselves and mix themselves. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to do. And they're so invested in their music, of course, and they want it to sound the best it can possibly sound. And here we are as audio professionals. There are no secrets. And I don't know any, I certainly haven't met any audio engineers that have been secretive about how they do things. They've always been very giving. Mm -hmm. So yeah, why not just do it? And you know, it does take a little bit of time commitment, a little bit of energy and a little bit of money. But if, if you want to give back to the audio community, I can't think of a better way to do it than that really. And the gear that's involved, are you using the same gear that you started out with or have you changed the gear? I pretty much got the same stuff, I think. The camera's the same, although I'm going to upgrade that because I found out that it only records video for half an hour before shutting off. And I can't get a clean HDMI feed from it. And if I try to use it as a webcam, I can't. It's a fantastic camera. It's a Canon camera and it, the image from it is fantastic but I just want something a little bit better now <laughs> that I've got got into it. 
And so, yeah, I'm still operating with pretty much the same equipment, uh, apart from a different light. <laughs> I've got a slightly bigger light. And even then, that's that's not great. So that lighting is definitely something I'm going to be investing in when I get to move rooms here at home. Some people are hesitant to get into the YouTube world because they don't want to be criticized. And there's a lot of people that are just saying some awful stuff mm -hmm. just for, you know, they've got nothing better to do. So have you dealt with trolls at all? No, I haven't. I'm not lying. Everybody who's left a comment have been lovely. Huh. <laughs> we say it, we say it at home and, and I'll perhaps say to my partner, oh, I've had another, somebody's left a really lovely comment on the, this week's video. And she's, she'll say, oh, that's so lovely. All your people are so lovely. <laughs> Yes, there have been one or two, but no really nasty. You know, they have an opinion and that's fine because, as I say, mix it's creativity. There's no right, there's no wrong. It's just how different people do things in different ways. But they may feel as though their way is the right way and my way is the wrong way. But no, I've been very lucky and they've all been very giving, very supportive. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm blessed in that regard, I think, and I'm really grateful for it. I think if I did get have haters and trolls, I wouldn't be here today talking about it with you. Yeah. Have you felt that by doing this channel, has it strengthened your audio skills for, for your clients? Oh, yeah, definitely. They do say the best way to learn is to teach. And, and I've discovered that definitely because I don't want to give out bad information. I don't want to send anybody down the wrong path because I've got it wrong. When I'm going to teach something, I will research it and I will plan it. And I will do my best to make sure that the information I'm giving out is accurate. Sometimes that's not quite been the case because I may not research everything to the nth degree. And so I may have my opinion on how a piece of gear or a plugin works and I perhaps might have something backwards. But my lovely people point it out to me in a very polite way that... Actually, Sarah, at 22 minutes and 34 seconds, you stated blah, blah, blah. And that's not actually how that plugin works. And so I think, oh, no, and go back and have a look and check it out. And oh, yeah, you're right. And so, I, you know, if I put my hand up, like we said before, I, I can't know everything. But I now know how that plugin works rather than I'm terrible for just opening a plugin. I'm, I'm wanting to dive in and it has to be intuitive. I don't want to have to sit and read pages and pages of the manual. I will if there are buttons. I'm not quite sure what they do, but ultimately I have to be able to put that plugin on and use it and know 80% how to work it. And there are several plugins that, that I use like that to this day where, you know, there's a couple of buttons. I don't really know what they do, but... And I might have it backwards. <laughs> but my people point it out. Thank you. <laughs> have you got any audio gigs out of doing this this channel? Oh, gosh, yeah. I've had so much inquiry from people, particularly rather than mixing, which I, I do get reasonably regularly. It's more one-to-one -one mentorship, consultation, that sort of thing, coaching. And it is something I do want to go into, but me being me, I want to do it right and I want to do it the best way I possibly can. So I'm currently researching the best way to do that so that it is a seamless experience for both 
my student and for me. And it has to be easy. I don't want to have to gaffer tape apps together to make it work. I just want to be able to connect online with somebody and me operate their equipment and they can see what I'm doing so I can demonstrate something on my computer. So I'm currently going through all the various options for doing that. I want it to feel as though they're sat with me in the room and looking over my shoulder and we're chatting. I don't want issues with talk back and echoes down the mic and, and feedback from the speakers and stuff like that. You know, if it costs a bob or two, then it, it costs, but I just want it to be seamless and easy for both of us. So when I'm there, yes, I will be working one-to-one -one with people to help them on a more personal level. And if you could, could you walk us through just a little bit of the technical part of, let's say that some of the listeners are thinking, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to do a little bit of this. My question immediately that comes to mind is, is how are you capturing your audio and what should we be thinking about for capturing, you know, not only our voice, but our image and some of the production advice, if you will. Yeah. For making YouTube videos, you mean? Yeah. 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 It does feel a little bit like I'm gaffer taping apps together. That's why I don't want to do that when I move into one-to-one -one work. But what I'm doing is I have to use a couple of different apps. I use ScreenFlow, which is an app that will capture your screen and it will capture audio from a microphone. It will capture video from tablets and phones if you want to go down that route. So I use ScreenFlow to actually capture the video side of things. But I also have my DSLR camera that I use to actually capture me. And what I also use is a webcam that I'm not in love with. I do want to get rid of, hence my comment earlier about needing a DSLR that will give me clean HDMI. So the webcam just gives me editing issues, basically going out of sync with the audio and things like that. Ah, oh, okay all to do with frame rates. You see, it's all a learning curve. I didn't know any of this <laughs> two years ago. So yeah, screen flow, camera, webcam. And then I've got my audio interface, which I captured my microphone in screen flow, but I capture the audio of Pro Tools in Audio Hijack, which is another app, just because it was logically the way that I could make the whole thing work. I was seeing people taking leads from the headphones, the, the headphone jack out of the interface and bringing it back in as an input somewhere. And it was just all getting, Ooh. I just, yeah, I thought surely I could just, yeah. So that's what I'm doing at the moment, unless I'm just doing a straight, like this interview, for example, I'm recording my audio using audio hijack rather than opening up Pro Tools and setting up a session and then having to export it. I just, Audio Hijack's brilliant. It's by uh, Rogue Amoeba. Does it actually record? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's got all kinds of little modules. You can apply plugins to it as well. It uses the audio unit plugins. So you can slot plugins in and it's very simple, but very powerful at the same time. I think a lot of people use it for live streaming. So that's how I'm recording this audio. But if I needed to capture video as well, that's where ScreenFlow comes in and I then switch duties. ScreenFlow will then capture my mic and Audio Hijack will capture the output of Pro Tools. And then do you run that 
back into ScreenFlow? Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. I import Pro Tools audio back into the ScreenFlow session and then I edit it in ScreenFlow. And then that comes out of ScreenFlow and it goes into Final Cut Pro where I top and tail it with actual what I call piece to camera shots. I always start my videos with me talking to the camera, explain what the video is going to be about. It's on my nice camera, so it's a nice image. And then we go into the ScreenFlow edited Pro Tools example. Then at the end, I've got another piece to camera where I've just summarize, do a bit of a summary and ask for feedback and things like that. So that all gets finished in Final Cut Pro. And that's what get up, gets uploaded to YouTube. So there are a few apps on the go there. But there's so many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. And I may be making it really convoluted. But yeah, that's all going to get looked at. As this year progresses, I'm really going to be looking at making the whole process much more streamlined. And that's the trick, isn't it, right? You get into something and you get it to a point where it's working and after a year, two years, you start to see how you can improve or simplify or make more efficient the process. Yeah, that's exactly what's what's happening. Because it's so time consuming to make a video, it typically takes me two days, two and a half days to research, write, record and edit, upload, publish and share a video on YouTube. So it's about two and a half days solid. Yeah. And one thing that I experienced in making the course that I did is having to do multiple takes. Like you start out and you stumble your words. I'm sure I have quite a large number of short video files of me going, damn it. All right. One more time. Okay. One more time, you know, just over and over and over again. Does it take, or did it take you a while to kind of get comfortable yeah. with yourself on video? Yeah. At the beginning, I tried to do, there are a couple of different techniques people suggest when you're recording video. And one of which is to work from a very basic script where you just have bullet points and talk around the bullet points. But I found that really quite difficult to do. I had a lot of long pauses whilst I thought about the best way I wanted to explain a particular topic or a, a technique. And I decided that I really need, at this stage in my journey as a YouTuber, I really needed to script quite heavily, quite a lot of what I do. So that A, I didn't sound like I was rambling too much and B, I was giving the best teaching experience and I wasn't wandering off and going down rabbit holes. It helps me stick to the point. Mm. So quite a lot of it, apart from, I think when I do the YouTube sessions, I do tend to talk around bullet points there because I'm just talking through the session and, and what I'm doing. But certainly when I'm talking to camera, that's scripted and I use a teleprompter now for that so that I can just get through it in one take, basically. And it cuts down on the time I need for editing, which is huh. a real problem. So the teleprompter, are you using one of those simple things that just allows you to use a phone or an iPad and yeah. reflect that? Okay reflect that image up on a piece of glass. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that is a technique in itself. That's a skill in itself to read from a teleprompter and not sound as though you're reading, which I haven't quite nailed yet. So I keep practicing. Oh, I don't know. I, I, oh, really? I would disagree. I, I mean, 
I didn't realize you were reading off of a teleprompter because oh, really? when I watch your videos, I'm like, damn, Sarah knows how to just nail it. <laughs> I'm giving away all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Wizard of Oz, you know, right. pulling back the curtain. Yeah, I'm, I'm better, a lot better now. If you look at my earlier videos, then it's much more obvious. Now I always try to keep my personality in there somewhere. I like to kind of have a little, little bit of a laugh and a joke with my wry northern sense of humor <laughs> and yeah a couple of videos i've got some bloopers i've kept some outtakes i've stuck on the end and just it just makes for a it's it's fun isn't it who doesn't love a blooper <laughs> oh yeah i think that's great well we're about out of time i'm really glad that we could talk about this because this actually kind of took an unexpected turn in that there's probably a fair amount of my listeners out there who have been contemplating getting into this and creating their own audio-based video channel. And for those of you that aren't going to create your own channel, you get a little glimpse into what's involved. So you can uh, decide if that <laughs> is something you want to do or not. But it's, I think what you're doing is fantastic and I love it. Every time you put out a video, I try to go watch it to see if I can learn something new or add to my, my knowledge. And yeah, killer job. Thank you. Can I just ask Matt, will it be my voice at the top of this podcast that we'll be introducing? <laughs> yes, it will. Yeah. That, so that's going to be a bit weird. That isn't is it? a bit weird. <laughs> but it is what it hey, is. Hey, everybody, it's me. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I don't know if anybody's picked up on that. That is Sarah <laughs> at the top of every show saying, Working Class Audio is brought to you by. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> well, I'm going to put a link in the show notes, of course, to all the previous links I have for you that we put on episode 194. So there'll be links for Sarah, links back to episode 194, of course, a link to the YouTube channel. So there's going to be a lot of links in there. There's a lot to explore, a lot of great content, not just on the channel, but just like your website too. Like Thank all you. of it, how you present yourself online, I think is super professional, obviously. And it's, I think it's a great learning tool for others into like, if you're new to the game of audio, let's face it, we live in the 21st century online self-promotion is part of the game really. Mm, and, yeah. and you really do it well. Oh, thank you. So. I've put a lot of time and effort into it. So all with the goal of just reaching as many people as possible, you know, and being able to help them on their journey as an audio engineer. Yeah. And I'll, once again, I'll, I'll put the links to not only your site, I've got links for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, sound better. Yeah. I've got all that. Plus I'll add to that with the, the video channel on YouTube. So, Thank you. well, Sarah, thanks again. It's great to see you. I love, love chatting with you. As a matter of fact, we'll chat after this. I'm coming to the UK in the summer and would love to discuss with you maybe a potential meetup. That would be great. So we yeah. can uh, we can do that, hopefully. Yeah. But like I said, great to see you and audience. Have a look at the show notes and definitely check out Sarah's YouTube channel. So until next time, take care. Our friends over at Cali Audio have just introduced the brand new LPUNF system, which is meant to give you everything you need from a studio monitor in a package that you can basically set up anywhere. And the system is specifically designed for your desk. So no matter how else you're using your desk, reflections from the drivers to the desk to your ears are accounted for. 
giving you a perfectly clear picture of your mix that you can rely on to translate well. Whether you're putting them on stands behind your desk, on a desk away from walls, on a desk against a wall, on a desk on speaker stands away from the walls, there's a number of configurations and they have settings on the back to accommodate all of that and more. And if price is a concern, never fear. They're priced at $299. That's right, pretty affordable. Head on over to CaliAudio.com and check out the new LP UNF. Sarah Carter here on the Working Class Audio Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, just a reminder, some of you are sending me messages through other means about guests. And I don't totally frown on that, but it's way easier if you just go to workingclassaudio.com and go to the guest suggestion forum because I'm going to send you there anyway, right? So that's all for me today. I want to thank the crew. That includes Anne-Marie Plow on the editing, Cliff Truesdale on the Working Class Audio theme song, and Mr. Chuck Smith there at the top of the show. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And until next time, take care. Hey, I know many of you are aware of this, but for those of you that aren't aware, Working Class Audio sponsors the forum over at gearspace.com called Audio Life. And quite simply put, it's a place where audio professionals can go to talk with other audio professionals about things other than audio gear, including life hacks, work-life balance, health and hearing loss. You know, if you want to talk with other audio professionals who can identify with what your lifestyle is like and how it relates to things going on in the world outside of audio, this is a great place to go and check out. So head on over to gearspace.com, check out Audio Life, many of the same topics that we discuss here on the show on gearspace.com. So check that out.